comes, here comes Speed Racer, he's a demon on wheels. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. He's gaining on you, so you better look alive. He's busy revving up the powerful Mach 5. And when the odds are against him and they're dangerous work to do, then your life's Speed Racer, see it through. Hey everybody! Hello. Go speed racer, go. Sorry. Yeah. You know that song's gonna lead. Yeah. It has to. If it's not clear, yeah, we're gonna be covering Speed Racer today, the 2008 financial debacle for Warner Brothers, a movie that absolutely bled money, and we're getting that out of the way because that's like the last negative thing we're gonna say about this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. As we've discussed before, um, just because something is a financial failure at the box office doesn't really mean shit. No, it, it, and it really doesn't here because this was a movie that, this actually, I checked, this might actually be the biggest flop we've ever covered on the cast, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, Not even Oogie Loves? Well, Oogie Loves didn't cost much. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, Oogie Loves didn't cost much. Uh this, if it wasn't for The Dark Knight, someone could have been fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that had a perfect storm of things going against it, and oh my god, um, I didn't even see it in theaters, just to like make it clear. I did not watch this until the Sunday before we recorded it. I saw it back-to-back with Iron Man. Ugh, you were so lucky, because, yeah. As I said, this is a movie that had a lot of things going against it, and... Uh, a lot going for it. So let's begin with a little bit of backstory on this movie. It's based on the anime, uh, which was based on a manga, which I actually have the entirety of the uh, manga. Really? Yeah. And let me point out, the manga is pretty clumsy stuff. Uh, it's actually it's actually fairly clumsy. Um, it's fun. It's You can definitely tell why it was adapted. It's a fun idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice art. But it's pretty clumsy writing, uh, which a lot of uh, manga from that age actually kind of feels like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because this, this was a modern translation. This was released at the same time as the movie, the uh, translation that I have. Uh, Supposedly, I, sorry, I forgot uh, whether it was this was just the anime or the manga, but the creator of it actually created it for American audiences. Yeah, um, that that is actually true. He was very deliberately trying, trying to do some, um, and is for the uh, manga, um, the idea was statelessness. Um, the characters have a very Caucasian look. Um, right. It's not... Yeah, this is not an instance of whitewashing, actually. Let's let's get that clear. Yeah. Yeah, hence why Yeah, we don't really have a problem that uh, a bunch of white actors were cast in this. One of the reasons that we don't have a lot... Uh, that I don't have a problem with that is because the uh, Wachowskis, being awesome, mm-hmm. filled the movie with a diverse cast outside of the uh, main characters. They did. That's true. It's it's actually a very diversely cast film, which I I love that about. That. Uh, I, that's what I love about their films in general. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, people that don't run into issues with whitewashing, uh, they're they're at the top of it. Um, as I said, ba- the based on uh, the manga, which I'm actually more familiar with than the anime, because I've never actually really watched the anime. Uh, I've watched enough of it to know what this movie was going for, but. I know, by the way, that fans of the uh, anime absolutely ate this movie up. 
So let's be clear on that front. People who loved the yeah. anime ate it up, and it was one of the few anime to really cross the pond. Uh, it was reasonably successful in the U.S. Uh, the the um, um, You've had a number of American adaptations and extensions of it. Um, American comics are fairly common. By the way, right now Lola is just staring at her feet. She's fascinated by them. <laughs> I can hear her. Yeah. Uh, that's probably going to show up on the cast, and I don't care. Um, oh, yeah. It's cute. Uh, she's just fascinated by them. She's just, like, staring at them. Um, but as I said, the Ameri- it, it, very, it was very successful in uh, America. It hit pop culture, especially that theme song. Um, parodies of it run throughout uh, Western media. I could... It would take too long yeah. to list them. Um, Speed, I do not think you should be in this race. Ha-ha, the Mach 5 is not ready. Ha-ha. Oh, cops, I must be in this race. Ha-ha. Very well. Uh, but you know I am not really your father. Ha-ha. Oh. But very successful. But uh, So as a result, it makes sense that a film version was attempted for many years. Most of the filmmakers that are attached to it are pretty unnotable. I've never heard any particularly... Like, the names that I saw didn't tend to be very big-name filmmakers. But it was very much thought that, okay, this is an easy property to sell. The impression that I get is that had the film happened, say, in 2000 or 2004, when it tried to get off the ground, you would have had a much more realistic version. You would have had a much more grounded film. No. Did not happen. Where the property wound up was in the hands of the Wachowski sisters, who were coming off of the Matrix trilogy. That's right. This is their... This is their first film outside of that, isn't it? Technically speaking, you can argue about V for Vendetta. They didn't direct it, but they did write it. They didn't direct that? They did not direct that. Uh, their assistant uh, directed it. Hmm. But it's... Oh, God. it's it, Their fingerprints are all over it, though. Their fingerprints are all over it. They wrote it, for one thing. It was, you know, widely uh, acclaimed. Very, you know, that was a very successful film. Um, one that... I quite like. Uh, it's one of uh, only two movies based on uh, an Alan Moore property that I like. But come to think about it, I don't actually like Alan Moore's work that much, to be perfectly honest. Like, I really don't. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of a prat. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that um, I do love Watchmen uh, in both forms. We've discussed that many times. And uh, yeah. V for Vendetta is a movie I, I, I quite like. And I, and I think I like it mostly because of the touches the Wachowskis bring to it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's strongly acted. It's strongly... Uh, again, I, I have my theory that they probably ghost-directed uh, a healthy amount of it. I uh, yeah. can't prove that, but at the very least, they were very hands-on producers on it. Um, but this is their first official follow-up to the Matrix trilogy, and I want to point out that they did not actually come into this in exactly the greatest of shape in audiences' eyes. Yeah, V for Vendetta was popular, but people were not forgiving them the Matrix sequels. Um, which, no. for the record, we shouldn't. Uh, I like Reloaded. It's fun. But it's very definitely a guilt, more of a guilty pleasure than anything else. Yeah, as far as like structure and plot, it's just not. It doesn't hold up very well. It's very shaky. The problem is that the Matrix is such a great film, and it's but it's kind of a great done in one film. There's really mm-hmm. no. There's really actually nowhere to go. It, it's it is a hero's journey film, and that's kind of it. Um, the best summation of why those films don't work 
uh, I think comes from one of my favorite commentaries on any movie. If you can get your hands on, well, it's probably the only edition now, but uh, when the special edition of Hot Fuzz came out, there was a commentary track with uh, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino, and they just go off the rails and talk about everything. Mm -hmm. Because they're them. If you want to hear two film geeks just go off the rails, it's great. Um, Anyway, they talk about The Matrix and uh by the way i'm now uh tracking that down so that i can listen to that oh do yes it is fantastic just, it's the best commentary i've ever listened just to, to hear uh those two men talking about one of my favorite films i have to hear that do it yeah, yeah. um but anyway but anyway yeah they talk about um the fact that yeah the at the end of you know it's in parallel to hot fuzz it's like at the end of it he's a god Mm-hmm. You know, and you have nowhere to go from there. You have to, to make a sequel, you have to bring him down from that. It's like, well, maybe I'm not the chosen one. Yeah. Uh, how about that? And then and then it, you have to end with, okay, yeah, I'm definitely the chosen one. Yeah, and, and, and that is the problem. And, 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 and here is my theory as to why the sequels don't work, especially the third one, because the third one is just an absolute piece of garbage, is... They didn't actually want to make sequels, is what I've heard. Really? Yeah. What, I, what I've what i heard is that, at, or more sp- precisely, they wanted to make one, but they also wanted to make a prequel. Mm. They didn't get to do that. What, what would have been the prequel is instead folded into the Animatrix. I was going to say. Which is so awesome. Yeah, the Animatrix is brilliant. Yeah, the Animatrix is amazing. If you can watch that, yeah, watch that. Watch that as the true sequel, is what I say. Mm-hmm. It, it's worth noting, there was studio tampering throughout uh, the Matrix series. Uh, for instance, they wanted one character to be male in the physical world and female in the Matrix. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see... If I can find the article, I'm going to link it. Mm-hmm. But did you see the thing about... Uh, it's a big, it's a theory how The Matrix, the original film at least, is all about coming out as transgender. I think I might have been the one who actually sent that to you, actually. You probably did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did. By the way, I totally believe that. I totally believe The Matrix is an allegory for life as a transgender. Yeah, and after, like, reading through it's like, huh. Yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. I mean that makes absolute sense. I mean we cannot ignore that the matrix came from is made by two trans women. Of course it is. Yes. Which is uh hilarious that you know uh, men's rights activists use uh what is it blue pilling? Red pilling. Red, Red pil- pilling as yeah. a term. Yeah. It's like <laughs> guys the, you stole that from women. <laughs> you stole that from women, you trash. So so as I said, they kind of walked into this movie limping. And to be perfectly honest, this film and then Jupiter Ascending pretty much have made it so that we should never expect to see uh, we should never expect to see uh, more big budget work from the Wachowskis. They're pretty much done for on big budget work. Um, oh, and I, that's a shame because really quick on Jupiter Ascending, I actually really enjoy that movie. I think that's a lot of fun. I think it's very ambitious. I think it's very wild in where it's trying to go. Is it completely successful? No, but it's something that's trying, and it's so much fun. It's actually a very entertaining movie. It really helps if you watch it knowing that it's kind of supposed to be funny. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it has a scene where they're going through 
uh, endless layers of bureaucracy, after all. I've heard it's very Douglas Adams, and yeah, that does sound very Douglas Adams. And the person that they wound up meeting at the end of that journey is played by Terry Gilliam, okay? <laughs> Can this movie be underlining to you more that you're not supposed to take it completely seriously? The action in it, by the way, is just astounding. They have not lost their gift. Side note, there was there was a point, uh, speaking of Douglas Adams, at which Terry Gilliam was going to direct the Hitchhiker's Guide movie. I mourn that we didn't get that. So anyway, getting to Speed Racer, as I said, the movie... I'm going to say right now that although the movie was a flop, let's give Warner Brothers credit. They tried hard on this movie. They sold it well. They advertised it very well. They um, gave it a good release date, um, mid-May 2008, which is a good release date. They tried. They really did push this movie, and they gave it... Tons of marketing. It was toyed out as much as you could. They really did a good job of selling this movie. But audiences took one look at the trailer and went, What the hell is that? <laughs> because even though the trailers try to be more conventional, this movie still looks weird as hell because it looks weird as hell. Because it is. You Yeah, because it is extremely weird. You can't make this movie look realistic and grounded and logical because it, at no point in the film does it ever even approach that. So no. audiences took a look at it. They couldn't figure out, is it a kid's movie? Yes. Is it an adult movie? No. What is it? And rejected it and ran from it. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, the Wachowskis being involved may have actually hurt it in terms of marketing. I was talking with a friend yesterday who said she couldn't see it in theaters because her dad thought it would be too violent due to their involvement. Hmm. Which is funny, because the movie is about as PG as any movie I've ever seen. I it mean, is. there is some violence, but it's mostly comical. It's cartoon violence. This is this movie is a cartoon. Let's get that out of the way first. There's absolutely no blood. It's all, like, anything you'd see on, like, Power Rangers or... Yeah, it's it's a complete cartoon. It is. The movie was rated PG. It is totally a PG movie. Honestly, it just narrowly avoids a G rating uh, due to some profanity. Like, it's that kind of movie. This is a movie that is almost entirely... In fact, it is entirely green screen. I don't think there's a single physical location in the entire film. Well, yes and no. Yeah, the actors were all set on green screen with some... Like, they actually did build the car, though. Yeah, um, I figured that much. That's obviously physical. Yeah, yeah. But the like the actual environments, they went out with like one of those 1080 cameras. yeah. Uh, and they just captured a shit ton of environments and spliced them in. That's cool. That's that's really cool. Moved them around with computer and layered them and did a whole bunch of cool shit with it. So yes and no. Yeah, but I'm going to go on ahead and go with a hard no, even knowing that, because that's, that's not exactly the same. Uh, this movie is completely artificial. This movie is screamingly artificial. Um, the story is a very simple one. Speed Racer, and yes, that is his given name. See, I-, I can almost guarantee you that if we'd gotten a serious version, they would have tried to, like, justify the name. Jim <laughs> Racer. Mm-hmm. Or it would have been, like, it would have been maybe a nickname or something. Or if it had been Racer, they would have come up with, like, oh, well, it was in something else in another language, and Speed is his nickname. And, yeah, you're right. It would have been... Know. No, no, the movie is completely... To uh, reference another thing... Kevin Racer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that being a thing. 
The movie does not the movie does not do that. The movie completely takes itself just completely takes itself with no seriousness whatsoever. It is uh, or it well actually that's the opposite. It takes everything seriously, but it does it but it but even though it's all so cartoonish, the movie doesn't pretend to be like realistic. But anyway, the plot is Speed Racer his brother was a formerly great racer until he turned rogue and then died in a car accident. And he's racing in his brother's memory. And uh, he gets an offer from a major team to join them. He discovers that racing is corrupt, and he decides that he's going to change it. If that's your idea of racing, you can keep it. Listen to me and listen good, kid. Because I'm going to give you one more history lesson. You're going to go to Fuji, and you're going to try and prove that everything I just told you is nothing but a lie. But no matter how well you drive, you won't win, you won't place. I guarantee you right now, you won't even finish the race. Spoiler of all spoilers, he wins the race. That's pretty much the entirety of the movie. Oh, and in doing so, he also he helps bring down the uh, corrupt racing world. This is not a complex plot, even though the movie is 2 hours and 15 minutes long. This is not a complex story. Let's just be clear about that. This is about as safe and familiar of a story as any you've ever heard in cinema history. It, it really, it's just, it's this generic storyline. Granted, it's probably uh, a little more complex than it would have been if the Wachowskis were not involved. Yeah, because certainly the way the film is executed is very complex. The movie often plays around with time. Like, there's a lot of flashbacks and a lot of moments where you're like, okay, well, where exactly am I in time? Yeah. The movie is c completely straight-faced. It, it is completely sincere. Um, much of the movie is about family. That's really kind of the driving idea of this movie, is the idea uh -huh. of family. Uh, Speed is per perpetually living with the, pro with the past. He's living with the memory of his brother is depicted as very close to and that's a major change by the way from the manga in the manga his brother is not really dealt with and it, it like like there's not really any sense they had any relationship the anime uh. does set up that they had a much closer bond and the movie really underlines that that's it's fitting that this movie comes from two siblings and it is about the sibling bond. Yes. Now, of course, what one now of course people who are familiar with the manga will know that his brother who died, well, there's a story there. That, that is kind of one of the running themes of the story. Because there's another figure in the film, the mysterious Racer X, whose face is always hidden. And finally, at one key moment in the film, Speed does see his face. And it's not yeah. his brother. And and the movie makes sure to make to make you just absolutely feel as much pain as you can when you find that out. Because he becomes so convinced that Racer X is actually his brother. And then he sees him and, nope, he's not. So the movie makes sure that you're really hurting and feeling that. And then at the end of the movie we discover, eh, plastic surgery exists. <laughs> and yes, he is his brother, but Speed doesn't know that and will probably never know that. Which actually is not too far off from what they did on the anime. Like, really? Yeah, in the anime what it is is... Uh, Speed goes to him and says, look, you know, he knows, and but uh, he's going unconscious. And as he's going unconscious, uh, Racer X does confirm that, yes, he is his brother Rex. And, by the way, the names in this are so wonderful. Uh, 
<laughs> Rex Racer. Speed Racer. Or Racer Rex. Yeah. If ex- you reverse it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boy, there's there's subtlety, isn't there? Seriously, this movie is about as subtle... <laughs> this movie is about as subtle as a sledgehammer hitting an atomic bomb. <laughs> yep. And this is a good thing I want to stress. Oh, this movie... Yeah, uh, I just got on Blu-ray not too long ago. It's a treat in HD. Yeah, we're gonna get to the visuals. We're gonna get to the visuals uh, in a moment, but I just have to kind of say that yeah, in the anime, but the movie doesn't do that. It was saving that for uh, a sequel, which they did have plans for sequels. The movie did not get there. But anyway, the plot is really kind of an excuse to hang the race scenes on. Let's just kind of be honest. I mean, it's. Yeah, it, it it really is kind of an excuse for the race scenes and for the imagery of this movie. And that's one area where I am a little bit frustrated because it is going to be a little bit difficult to talk about the imagery mm-hmm. in this movie. I think the best way to put it is this is a movie that merges the language of live action cinema with the language of uh, animation. Yes, it does it probably more perfectly than any film I've seen. It's short history of that. Uh, the Wachowskis in anime. Uh, if you really pay attention in the Matrix, they use a lot of anime shots. Mm. Like they use, I would not have noticed that, like if I didn't see comparisons to how uh, shots are chosen in anime. But they completely like that film is also a live action anime, but it's more subtle. And for what's worth, I don't, I don't give them any grief for lifting shots like that Mm -hmm. because they're truly fans and and also because when they did the animatrix they tried to get in the people that they really admired they They really did they really bent over backwards to try and get these people work uh they did the matrix comics to uh as well to do the same thing to get these people work and to get them attention even knowing that you know this is probably the closest i've ever seen uh a live action film capture the anime style yeah because it frequently lift, lifts exact shots from the anime it lifts the color scheme i mean this movie is one of the brightest movies you will ever watch yeah everything is so vibrant oh my god everything is candy colored in this movie so i remember a lot of reviews at the time say something uh, along the lines of, uh, it's like a kaleidoscope threw up on screen or something yeah. like that. And which was one thing that a lot of critics hated. I want to point out, this movie only has a 6.1 IMDb score. <sighs> Pathetic. Yeah, I don't, I don't really put much stock into IMDb scores. No, I don't either, I don't either. Nuts. But seriously, they're just wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're just wrong. Well, hell, of course people use the kaleidoscope imagery. The first shot when we're getting the studio logos, is kaleidoscope imagery behind it. It is. Like, so yeah, they're, they're not being subtle about that. They're totally trying to throw that in your face, that this is, that that's... Oh, no. And by the way, this movie was not done in 3D. They wanted to do a sequel in 3D. This movie so should have been in 3D. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, I, if, if this movie were a bigger hit, I would, I would have demanded a... I, I, here's what I think w- would have been the case. If this movie had come out, say, a year later, it probably would have been in 3D, and it probably would have been the film to change. It would have been, I think, the yeah. film, p- potentially, that could have done what Avatar did for it. It's not, sadly. 
Yeah, that would have been so cool. Um, I think one of the most prominent things as far as, again, the uh, uh, translation anime style, that's like, I don't think any other set of directors would do this. Like, you know, that famous, like, anime background thing where it looks like streaks of light going by? Yes. Yeah, they they seamlessly morph, uh, like, backgrounds are already there into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This this film is so liquid in its editing. Yeah. I mean, especially at the end when it goes into that moment of zen where everything just blends together in this surreal moment of imagery as you just see speed achieving just absolute zen to win the race. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> this movie, I'm sure if you're on ecstasy, I'm sure this movie is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Your head might explode from from trying to process it. This movie is absurd, over-the-top wildness in that way. Uh, the visuals. I'll tell you what this movie really reminds me of is Mario Kart. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because let's be clear, this movie takes nothing about racing. There's nothing realistic about this movie's depiction of racing. Oh. No. Uh, oh, God, no. In this movie's universe, racing is the biggest sport on the planet. And the cars are equipped, I mean, the cars have, like, Mario Kart-style sabotages and, you know, tricks, and they can jump and fly, and... I showed it to my friend recently, my friend Zach, uh, who was a huge fan of the anime, which he likes this, he likes this one pretty well. His comment was, it's really stupid, but it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, which, fair, but, um... But yeah, he mentioned one of the main aspects of the anime was that uh, uh, in the ra like the racing world is corrupt and uh, everybody used cheats mm -hmm. like everybody cheats except uh, Speed who is who floats above that like this is present in the film but it's not underlined. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was underlined pretty damn loudly actually. I thought the movie did a pretty good job of underlining that. Um, I guess that's true. Yeah, he has he has defensive measures uh, built into his vehicle, but, but not, he does not have. Yeah, yeah, he he doesn't screw other people over. The cars will probably be equipped with secret weapons, so we've modified the Mark V to try to counter their attacks. The A button will operate your normal jump jacks. B will seal your cockpit, which we fortified with bulletproof polymer. Should someone go after your tires with, say, a hidden shank or shredder, the C button will activate your tire shields. The only thing that he has going for him uh, in terms of like that is Racer X constantly trying to protect him. Yeah. Which, again, makes a lot more sense once you know what his story is. The tracks in this movie, this movie is the closest thing I think we'll ever get to a Hot Wheels movie. And I know that there's perpetually talk of maybe doing a Hot Wheels movie. Don't. You're not going to top this. In terms of the bizarre no. looping tracks, I mean, mm -hmm. no, no, this movie gets it. Honestly, I don't understand why this movie didn't actually do better with the Hot Wheels crowd. I mean, yeah, because that little boys love Hot Wheels. This really should have been a given. And there's only one other movie that was playing towards that audience at that time. Um, Iron Man, so I don't, again, I don't know why. I really think this movie was just too weird for mainstream audiences. I really do. Yeah. But, seriously, this movie has so much of, like, the Hot Wheel physics, 
And I mean, the cars, the tracks are just these endlessly looping and curving and sloping. I mean, it's just the most wild. There is no way this movie could have ever been made physically. It had to be CGI. Yeah. And again, it's obvious CGI. But I kind of love that it's obvious CGI because instead of trying to like go for some kind of realistic thing where you're more annoyed by the fact that it's not completely realistic, the movie instead just goes for, there is no way on earth that this movie is realistic. Have fun. (laughs) And it occurs to me it's kind of the same thing that Robert Rodriguez tries to do with his kid flicks and fails. Yeah. Like with Spy Kids, etc. Yeah, especially the third one, because that's what this movie looks a lot like. I mean, honestly, this... Uh, honestly uh the movie looks about as realistic as the third one which takes place inside of a computer yeah and which is so not any good oh my god the third one is a horrible movie no i remember they released it in quote-unquote 3d dude i saw it <laughs> you did it oh god hell it burns the eyes red blue 3d i do not miss that's what uh my my mr croson my uh a uh, band teacher at the time said that he like he has two kids. He told me of his account taking him to it. It's like yeah, at one point he had to just cover his right eye because it was so painful to look at. Yeah, but I mean this movie looks it seriously looks about that realistic, except much more, except way 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 better because there's so much detail. Every frame of this movie you just want to pause it and look at because there's yeah. sixty things to notice in it. Like, at one point when they're going through the desert, you can see these very unrealistic-looking vultures. I love it. (laughs) But, I mean, there's so much detail put into every environment. Everything is so complex. And, no, it doesn't look real, but the movie plays up the artifice. One of my favorite fights, uh, fight scenes in that, is uh, the one on the mountain pass. Yes! It just flows in and out between the different parts of the fight, and Mm. everyone is just so irritating oh yeah it it is such a comp i mean it's such a complex one because you're just constantly going in and out of these different environments because it's you're going in the truck and then you're going in the people shooting at them and it's just yeah well there's that one but uh i mean the uh uh then there's the other one i know the one you're talking about yeah the other one is yeah 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 but this is by the way let's be clear this is not a movie filled with distracting uh rapid cutting no there are so many long swooping shots this film is not shy on beauty shots no this movie is in love with its visuals and it wants you to be in love with them and really the camera motion is more more tied to what's going on in the action it's very kinetic it's very drawn to what the characters are doing not what the filmmakers uh think would make for an exciting movie right so yeah it's a very kinetic God, it's such a kinetic movie. This might be the most kinetic film I've ever seen. Hands down. Yeah. I would agree with that. Mm. And seriously, the races in the movie are great. I mean, there's not a lot of suspense in terms of, okay, who's going to win? You know that Speed is going to win at the end of this movie. Yeah, of course. You know he's going to win because you know what movie this is. Though he actually doesn't win uh the the rally race uh they're, they're smart with that he doesn't win that you know but then there's the race at the start and there is kind of a beautiful moment in that first race where he slowly takes his foot off the uh, gas to keep his brother's record alive oh, 
Yeah, just just coming in second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as a way of paying homage to his brother. That's poignant. Really, that's kind of the thing that I do want to touch on about this movie is because as artificial looking as it is, mm-hmm. it has a very grounded emotional core, which is the story about family. This is fundamentally about a family that is extremely united. And first of all, it has to be noted that the parents are the almost impossibly well-cast John Goodman and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, it doesn't get much... You don't stack the deck much more than that. Um, Goodman in this movie is just... I mean, he's always great. Let's be clear. Goodman is always great. Have You You still haven't seen 10 Cloverfield Lane yet, have you? No, I have. I did. That's right, you did. You did. Yeah, you saw it in theaters. No, I didn't, but I saw it on video. Yeah, you did. That's right. I'm sorry. It's been a long year, yeah. okay? <laughs> I have a baby. It's been a very eventful year. I have a baby on my lap. <laughs> She's being good, by the way. She's being very good. I think my talking soothes her. But Goodman is, he's always great, but he's really wonderful here as a father who, he's very grounded. Like, Goodman never gives away that this is a cartoon. He is completely grounded. He is completely in the moment. He plays everything with real gravity, which is hard to do. But he completely gives it this sense of, okay, this is something he's taking seriously. And it tells the audience, okay, I can take this seriously. What do you think about my family? Impressed? Be honest, Royalton. I'm feeling more intimidated than impressed. This kind of company scares me. People like you have way too much money. When someone gets that kind of money, they start thinking that the rules everybody else plays by don't mean squat to them. However, my sons are the most important thing I've ever done in my life besides marrying my best friend. And if Speed wants us to figure out some kind of an alliance, then you can bet your ass we'll be in business. Uh, Yeah. He's wonderful. And and Sarandon doesn't get as much to do, but she's still great as always. Now you listen to me, young man. What you do behind the wheel of a race car has nothing to do with business. Well, before you could even talk, you were making noises that sounded like an engine. He tried to take you to the park and you never wanted to get out of the car. I love that old wagon. When I watch you do some of the things you do, I feel like I'm watching someone paint or or make music. I go to the races to watch you make art. And it's beautiful and inspiring and everything that art should be. But there is that idea that this is a, that, that, that what Speed is fighting for is to save his family. It's to protect his family's reputation and their image, and he's fighting for them. And I like that. I like that that's what this movie is. It's about family. It's about the value of that. Family values and the actual real sense of the, yeah. <laughs> of the term. Yeah, this is not a movie that... And, and, that, and that's a, a serious thing. This is actually the first, the only movie that the Wachowskis have ever done that focuses on that idea, which is interesting to me. Uh, I, knowing what I know about their family, um, I, I know that their parents are apparently very supportive and very kind people from what I've read in interviews. Um, and... Uh, I've read, you know, and of course, obviously, they work together, so, you know, that tells you what their relationship is like as siblings. Oh, yeah. They're awesome, but but there's just that, but it's interesting to me that this is the one time that they've dealt with that, and it does come off as very unforced. It, it comes off as very sweet and very touching, 
And, and I think that that grounded theme of the movie really allows it to, to work because if you have characters who are fighting for realistic, plausible goals and the actors are playing it completely seriously, it makes it possible to accept the absurdity that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emil Hirsch is very good as Speed. I, I want to point that out. He's very good. The reason that his career has kind of taken a dive has a lot to do with the fact that apparently he's almost impossible to be around. Oh, really? Uh, he's not... Uh, he's got at least one assault on his record, okay? Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> but he really does ground this movie. He really does play it. He looks exactly like the character from the uh, cartoon. Yeah, I was just about to make that point. I mean, he is a dead ringer. He <laughs> looks the part perfectly. And he plays it so well. He's excellent in this film. He really is. Christina Ricci is, uh, as his girlfriend, is superbly cast. Uh, it's a real shame we don't see her doing more work because she, she's such a natural comedic actress. And she plays this movie with complete energy. Like, she is so alive in this movie. Um, I know from what I've read that she apparently had a great time making it. She's made that clear. Uh, she, apparently she was really hoping to do the sequels. She, You can tell she was clearly enjoying to do... Because she doesn't just play the girlfriend. She's very much his partner. Yeah, she is very active. Yeah, this is not a passive role. And that was actually true of the cartoon, too. Uh, the character was his spotter in the cartoon, uh, as she is in the movie. Right. Yeah, I knew the helicopter was actually a thing. Yeah. So, okay. That's actually kind of awesome to see that she is this strong. And when she, in the cartoon, when she was captured, which would always happen because, come on, she still fought back. She wasn't just a damsel in distress there. And she's not here. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they have a really sweet relationship. We see a flashback with uh, when they met as young kids, and it's really touching. Speed! Are you all right? Uh, uh. Who are you? I'm Trixie. I'm in your class. Oh, yeah. Hey, you want to see my car collection? I'd love to. Again, the actors are all so good. Um, uh, Matthew Fox, who plays Racer X, does an excellent job, too. He, he really, he also really sells this material. He's playing a guy who is walking around dressed in an all-black costume, hiding his face. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> th th this, is, this is not realistic stuff. And he plays it completely straight. <coughs> hey, Lola. <laughs> She's making some cute noises. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love my little podcast, buddy. But, again, it's that, it's that thing that... It's the same thing that really, if you think about it, Who Framed Roger Rabbit had going for it. Bob Hoskins played it more or less as if he was in Chinatown. Yeah. Which is perfect, because it is a uh, cartoon version it of is. Chinatown. He played it as if he... He played it serious. I really maintain, you have to have that grounded level of reality for this to work. That's the problem with Rodriguez's kid films, is they don't have that grounded reality. They don't have something to ground it. This has that, and it makes it very effective and moving. I mean, you genuinely... 
Because if you don't care what's going on to the characters and you're just in this for the visuals, then the movie is worthless, in my opinion. Right. And again, it is one of the most visually spectacular films I've ever seen. But if I didn't care about the characters, none of this would matter. But there are actual stakes in this film. Because, like, one of the things that's going on is the uh, corrupt team that he turns down working for does frame his father. And he's trying to exonerate him. You know, that's a real goal. Fighting to protect your family. That's, that's real. That's authentic. And as a result, the movie feels like it matters. Yeah. It's not just their family, too. There's also the, um, I forgot what it's called, the, uh, the guy he partners yes, up with. Uh, Afterward, that ends up betraying yes, him. Uh, Rain, which Colbert uh, Colbert Report fans will remember, that R- Rain, uh, the the actor that plays that role, uh, he uh, beat out Colbert in like a an online fame poll, in like a most influential person poll, and yeah, really? and Colbert was, and so they had a mock rivalry going on that finally ended in a dance battle. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, the. Uh, the uh, rival fam, yes, uh, the family that one of the uh, members of the cartel, yes, and yeah, the, the, I mean, you you have that theme there of he's doing it for his family. I mean, so and that's an interesting touch that even the villains are in it for their family, like even they are driven by motivations of protecting their family. That's a smart move because the family unit is one of the safest things you can go to for drama because it's universal. Everybody can relate to family. You know, everybody knows what it's like to have one, I say, as I hold my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much, again, there's so much good here in terms of that. It really is a very well-written film. Uh, The Wachowskis wrote this uh, themselves, of course. This movie is two hours and 15 minutes. I've seen some people say they thought it was too long. I think it's perfectly timed. No, it is a very tight film. Like, okay, this is 30 minutes longer than Standing Ovation. It feels like it's a third as long as Standing Ovation. Like, I had to pause Standing Ovation multiple times because I could not get through it. This one, I this, this one I just downed in one shot because it was just so compulsively watchable. I mean, I don't have much more to say about the film beyond why did it not do better. As I said, I know why I didn't go to see it in theaters. Was I wasn't that big of a fan of the Matrix movies. I mean, I think the first one is still great, but I I wasn't that big of a fan of the uh, second one, and I sure as hell hated the third. So it didn't hold much appeal to me, because I was going to the movies nonstop at that time. And the buzz was so toxic. There was a lot of toxic buzz around this movie. I heard that it was just an absolute mess of a film. Uh, Which, untrue. Could not be less of a mess. This could not be a tighter... I mean, there's so much... Just the transition shots, when, like, the movie will be spiraling around someone and then it'll transition to a new environment, and, you know, the way that you'll have montages and its over images overlaid each other. I mean, there's just so much good about this movie on so many levels. It's not a mess. The parts when they explain, like, the motivation, they fit in, like, the motivations of all the other racers, yeah. like, the, uh, uh... Yeah, how basically they were all bribed to uh, to take out racism. Yeah, it's it's like you have a lot of really diverse groups of people there. I, again, I love that about the Wachowskis that they don't. They just their handling of diversity is simple. 
They just populate their movies with it and expect you to just be okay with it. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. Um, just make your world diverse and don't call attention to it. Don't make a big deal out of it. I will say Jupiter Ascending is a little wider than I wish it had been, but that's it. But again, with this movie, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's a diverse world. Big honking deal. It doesn't It doesn't make a big deal out of it. It's, just, it's like, yep, this is the world we're in. No biggie. But anyway, yeah, but why did this movie, again, why did it alienate people? I think it was just too damn, it's not so much that it's weird, I think it's just that it was too individual. I don't think audiences could process what they were trying to do. I think it was too much its own thing, and I think that scared people away. Yeah, like I I mentioned earlier, uh, yeah, we have not seen, you know, this is a film that we have not seen um before or no it it is and i don't think we'll ever see anything like this again i think this is a one-shot deal in in a sense maybe that's why i'm okay that we didn't get a sequel because how do you how do you do something else like this this really is a lightning in the bottle film you you can't i don't know that you can recapture this i think this really and truly is a done in one story yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad we didn't get sequels in that regard. But I would have liked to see the story continue. Yeah, that would have been cool, and especially if it's a set of sequels that they actually did want to do. Yeah, which they did. They had plans. Like let's let's be clear, they had ideas. As I said, Warner Brothers gave this movie the fairest shot they could. They gave it a good release. They hyped it. They spent eighty million dollars on prints and advertising. Okay. It released uh, not quite opposite Iron Man, but it was out at the same time Iron Man was. I know because I saw it as a double feature. I hate that Iron Man has to be the villain movie in this scenario. But yeah, but I don't know if this movie ever could have cracked a wide stream, a wide audience. Like I think even if you like I I say it could have been the movie to do to 3D what Avatar did. I don't I don't think anybody would have ever gone in the door because I think. Audiences were just confused as to what it was. I just don't think audiences knew what the movie was. And if you don't know what a film is, you're not going to go see it. But the thing is, the movie itself does know what it is. That's the thing. And I also, and I think that that's the thing. This is a kid's movie that is not ashamed to be a kid's movie. At one point, it even stops the movie just before the uh, just before Speed and uh, Trixie kiss and warns viewers that that's about to happen. You know, the movie is not ashamed to do things like that. It is not ashamed to be a kid's movie. It's not ashamed to have the theme with Speed's younger brother uh, on always trying to get candy with his pet chimpanzee. <laughs> it's not ashamed to be a kid's movie, and I think that, that scares people because most kids' movies kind of act like they are afraid to be kids' movies. <laughs> Because there's no sexual humor in this movie. There's no... There's a little. There's a few shits here. There's an ass once. But otherwise, the movie is completely fine being a kid's movie. Did you did you see the Stalter Critic just released a video about does PG mean anything anymore? No, but I'm sure that might actually be one I would want to see from him. Yeah, I do. Like, I... Uh, that's when I saw it. It's like, hmm. Yeah, and he does talk about that where they just, you know... Where G-rated uh, material is now, like, toxic? 
Like, nobody wants to go for a G anymore? Yeah, that is a good question. Is G-rated... And I don't think it should be that way, because I think that G-rated material can still be perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with a movie being G-rated and innocent. He talks about the fact that uh, people, like, studios will just throw in, like, those crass jokes just just to get a PG. Which I'm going to say right now, I'm going to wager the profanity in this movie was a studio mandate. I, I just, I, the, the studios do demand those crash jokes. Um, also, what movies get PGs sometimes seem bizarre. Like, some of the Pixar movies that have got, like, I've heard from everybody that Finding Dory was in no way different than Finding Nemo was, but it got a PG. Yeah, that's also talked about Pixar's doing on that too, and that uh, how uh, the original Toy Story was G. All three are like the only. Oh, all three true. are yeah. The only movie in recent memory to go for a G and get it is the Peanuts movie. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if that had been PG, I would have been disgusted. Yeah, we've discussed the no, Peanuts they, movie. No. We are very very happy with it. Being family friendly is perfectly fine. Like, okay, the Peanuts movie is a great example. If I'm watching something that's for families, I don't need to be played to as an adult. Like, I don't I don't need no. you to play to to satisfy me. I need you... If you make a good movie with a good story and characters that I care about and jokes that are funny, I mean, I, I would submit that Toy Story 2 is about as funny as uh, any movie uh, uh, in... Uh, the five years around it, you know. Yeah. Toy Story Two is hysterical. Uh, just the scene with the cones is laugh out loud hysterical. <laughs> yeah. I don't need, I don't need adult humor in my stuff. I am perfectly fine. Yeah. If I want adult humor, I will watch an adult film. Yeah. If well, you you know what I mean. Yeah. Slapstick. It, yes, I do. You know, slapstick and good wordplay can be G-rated. And, by the way, one of the weirdest movies to get a PG is Life of Pi. I'm yeah. still not sure what the hell happened there. No, that, that movie really should have been PG-13. In terms of content, yeah. that movie... I mean, I don't know how that movie got a PG. It is not a PG movie. It's actually very disturbing. Just the description of what potentially might have happened... Um, you know, the quote-unquote realistic explanation uh, alone should have gotten the movie the PG-13. Because it included references to cannibalism. Yeah. Just pointing cannibalism and murder. Just saying, not a family thing. No. Great movie, though. But they didn't show it, so... But they didn't... Ugh, the ratings board is such... <laughs> but they... We've gone they over this. Describe it, though. We've gone over this. The ratings board is garbage. We have. The the point is, this movie, I think that really did alienate people, though. That this movie didn't try to be an adult movie. It doesn't. What it thinks is cool is what a nine-year-old boy would think is cool. That's pretty much the mindset this movie is coming at, is it's a nine-year-old boy's idea of cool. But you know what? That is cool. That is cool. And, th- and this movie is immensely entertaining. So, my final thoughts on this movie are... I cannot recommend this movie enough. This movie is an absolute, sheer, unadorned blast. I'm so glad I watched it. I'm mad it took me until now to see it. And I want to watch it again and again. So, loved this movie. 
I watched it twice in a row this last time after I bought it. It this is just an awesome movie. So those are my thoughts. Okay, you can find us on our blog at uh, thefilmroom.podbean.com. You can find us on our side blog. I think I forgot to include last time. Uh, thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. So you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash filmroom. Give us likes. We're almost to 1,000. You can find us on our Twitter. It's I am at PrimitiveManPRD. Austin is at UntitledUser. And we as a whole are at FilmroomCast. And our good buddy Harold Ragsdale is at Cybergun Films. Yeah, we just got some Twitter love recently. Uh, Mason gave us a shout-out, which uh, led us to a potential guest. So these things these things do matter. Yes, these they things do. do lead to things. And this is not the first time this has happened, either. Nope. <laughs> and it will not be the last, so... Yep. Yes. We love you guys for that. Um, thank you, Mason. You can email us. Please do. We love getting email filmroompodcast at gmail.com and of course our patreon thank you guys so much for your continued support uh you keep our you keep us going you keep our lights running thank you nathan thank you bridget thank you daisy thank you sheila uh thank you sean from no totally yep go speed racer go (laughs) 